Hi, everyone. Welcome to Freshwater Perspectives. Today, we'll be talking about PFAS and the forever chemicals in drinking water and freshwater ecosystems. So we hope you enjoy. How you doing? I'm doing all right, Riley. We is it was another week. It was we, another week. Yeah, it was another week. Oh. Thankfully, I got the week off, so that's that's great, right? So Rachel, oh. we went to Athens. She took her big vet exam. That she said she felt good about it. We'll see what happens in a couple months. I feel yeah. fine. I'm not worried about her. Take a couple months to hear back, huh? Yeah, it's ridiculous. You know, standardized testing. They have to. I don't. Yeah, whatever. Um, but that was great. Um, never been to Athens before, so that was a nice little town. Um, really? Did you play some yeah. golf? Nope. Never mind. That's Augusta. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm not a golfer anyway, so yeah. no. I'm sure there's golf courses in Athens. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So ni- nice little town. I found found some stuff to do. Good little places to eat. Um, we weren't there for super long, so I was kind of cloistered in the hotel room, just trying to get some work done. But yeah. I'm excited to uh, come back down south, actually. Um, so it's for Matt's wedding. I got invited. Woo! And um, yeah, that'll be fun. That's in, I mean, it's still a ways away, but. Uh, oh, yeah. We're slightly less than a year. Could so, you get married October. in Charleston, perhaps, so I can go there? <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed Charleston. It was such a interesting, like, just like the architecture and like the history oh, yeah. of it all. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it was clean, nice and clean. Charleston's a great town. My aunt is actually from Charleston. Jealous. Mm-hmm. Some huh. of the, actually, not even some. I will say the best seafood I've ever had in my entire life was Ooh. in Charleston, South Carolina. Beautiful town. Um, yeah. Rachel and I went there. Took her there for her birthday. Like mm-hmm. right, you know, when COVID started and then it stopped for a couple months. So I took her there when it yes. stopped. Took her there when it okay. stopped. So there was nobody there. It was fantastic. It was also it's also November, so I don't think anyone wants to go to Charleston in November. But it was a great time. Absolutely recommend. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. But what are you what are you looking forward to being back down south for, Riley? Um specifically, well, I think just a little bit nostalgia for Auburn. Okay. I'd love yeah. to go on the fish like on the the what's what do we call it? The station. Oh yeah. And um white barbecue sauce oh <laughs> uh, yeah i guess i don't really think about it just because i always see it yeah that will it will be um it's it's just different you know what i'm saying like in a good way i oh, mean yeah. it's different right so it's different than the midwest mm-hmm. and like uh it's just a different vibe so yeah. um no, that'll be good to get right. back and i i need to get back for um my wife grew up out west in oregon so we need to get back there too i think it's been like seven years since i've gone back just because of school and then mm-hmm. uh, just a menagerie of new positions so um <laughs> like getting the actual time off to go has been a uh, interesting but um yeah yeah no and then beignets i gotta get a beignet oh uh, of course yeah and then yeah i think we're gonna well there was i tried to get out to oregon um but then like our flights got canceled and like it's uh, just a really small um allegiant airlines if you ever know that but like they only mm. fly it to very few places and one of them's destin 
So when I oh. come to your wedding, we'll be flying from Minneapolis to Destin. So, yeah, huh. maybe I'll okay. stay there on the, the beach for a hot okay. second, and then yeah, make my okay. way up. But uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, okay. oh gosh, yeah. Ah, yeah, make a little road trip out of it. I like it. Apparently, yeah, we'll see. Okay, man. But uh, anything else you got going on? Oh, I got things. So we're in new to the house still. Um, I got a radon test. This is mm -hmm. fun. Um, came back high, so now I have to get a radon mitigation system. Oh. Apparently, um, where I live, it's a really <laughs> oh, no. karst landscape, and um, it's just oh, a dear. It's, it's just a perfect like radon is gas from the ground. I'm not going to get too far into it. I'm not a person, like a mm -hmm. geologist or a ground gas person. I think it comes from certain rocks or something. But um, yes. yeah, it gets into yeah. your basement and then. You, it literally the mitigation it's like it's just a big fan so like they put a hole oh, in okay. your basement and it sucks it up and out your like yeah. window um so but they they cost monies so <laughs> home, home ownership but uh i've also so i live in a small town now 1300 mm -hmm. individuals oh um, wow smallest town i've ever lived in man and um it is great everybody's super nice mm-hmm However, <laughs> there's always a but. To, I've come to find out that everyone has been in my house. Everyone. Oh. It was Ooh. used to be so. There was two things before it. It was it got fully renovated apparently, like down to the studs, hmm. right? But before it was a tax um, office. Oh. And and then before that it was a dentist office, which, I mean, huh. how big of a dentist office? Like it's a yeah, two bedroom in a basement two bedroom two bathroom huh. but like uh yeah they're like i mean even like the older individuals i meet they're like well i know where you live and then they're like i i got my teeth done there when i was a kid and i was like oh but you're like you know what i'm saying like you're in your yeah. 60s so like um at least i think i don't know how old people are i guess i'm ageism but um yeah so that's that's been fun um huh. <laughs> so that's everyone knows where where i live right um, and then they're all super interested on the renovations because I knew it got renovated. So they're like, oh. basically, I think some people like want to come in my house to like look at it, like <laughs> just walk around. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like working out. Um, there's a gym in the town, and like basically, yeah. I was, I don't know how. They're like, oh, like the the owners like, where do you work? Type of situation. I'm like, oh, I work for like the soil and water, like area and then like just from the back it's like i'll be seeing you next week or something it was like before i started i was like oh geez they're like <laughs> everyone yeah knows everything type of situation which isn't bad but it's just different. no and like uh, yeah yeah you the house your... one is super interesting because everybody's like oh that's where you live like yeah. yep <laughs> start charging for tours i might but um <laughs> one other thing i wanted to bring up um mm -hmm. was so I am a couple weeks out of Lake Superior now, living right on the shoreline. Kind of, yeah, that's sad on one hand. Mm. Very excited mm -hmm. to be doing, like, different things. But just the, the area is so endearing. But um, I didn't mention, like, the day I left was, like, I think the 47th anniversary of, like, the Edmund Fitzgerald sinking. Oh, shoot. On Lake Superior. And there wow. was just, there was a bananas storm that happened. Like, huh. Like on the anniversary, and wow. like it was it was my last day of work, and I didn't yeah didn't mention this yet, but like so we, it one individual we like, the 
the tribe I worked for was kind of like it was like a, a one side it was a bay okay mm-hmm. and then on the other side was like the, the actual like superior I mean it is like superior but like the the full you know what I'm saying like like yeah. superior and um, the wind was such that it was coming from the north going towards the south and um, it was like um, gusts of 50 miles per hour winds and wow. um, so there's this tracker that you can track and uh, you um yeah it says like how high the waves are you know what i'm saying oh, and wow. i was like huh they're like yeah it's gonna be potentially up to 12 foot waves today and i was like what did you just say like <laughs> jeez and um they're like do you want to go look and i was like yes like heck yeah i want to go look and um matt just the bananas the like the power of lake superior um all on yeah. the yeah. edmund fitzgerald's um anniversary like you know sinking and like we sat on this ridge and watched it and like oh my gosh like just the waves were massive and the wind like i've never i have never felt wind that strong before <laughs> you know what i'm saying i don't i yeah, mean that's i mean that's like an ocean man crazy it was crazy and i was like uh, oh like i get it like i get like um and it wasn't like the wind was the whole time if that makes sense but like those gusts like we were up there and uh, yeah the one we had a the one guy had like a windometer whatever you want to call it like to, to it like an anemometer yeah. anemometer i think um yeah, yeah it, it, i mean it definitely when we were up there it reached 50 miles an hour and we're like holy moly and it was holy like cow and it like was whipping you the rain in your face it was like wow. needles so That's i've never that so i felt like one of those um <laughs> like people when there's a hurricane and they like uh the reporters that go out <laughs> and they just stand there and like it's super windy and you know like they're like bracing themselves that's exactly what we did wow um i'm happy we did it though but uh isn't yeah. that crazy like that it's, is it's an ocean like it's yeah. it's crazy well, like um well, the, the, the advent yeah. fitzgerald if i'm not mistaken that was almost like the titanic of like the great lakes because wasn't it like the biggest ship to sail the Great Lakes, something like that. Yeah, I, I yeah could be talking out my ass right now, but I think then, it was like the... the November gales and all that fun yeah. stuff. Which I was like, oh, that's like kind of folklore, but yeah, <sighs> I saw it. Like I felt it. Like I remember it was like so our whole basically we had a futon left in our apartment, mm -hmm. sleeping on there, and like. Just I remember the, the like the house was like shuddering, you know, with the oh, wow. It was an old house converted into a apartment building type of situation. Yeah, I was mm -hmm. like, whoa. So, um, that was my story. I forgot to bring it up a couple weeks ago, so I was like, I should do it right now because it's no, that's super cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like it. Great story but, um, too. Great story mm -hmm. or great a uh, great song. Oh yeah, um, um, Gordon Lightfoot, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Wow. There we go. Um, we should have that as our outro. But I'm pretty sure we can't because of, um, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, we don't have any laws. It's not like we have any money for them to sue us for, but you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever we have, <laughs> whatever they have, yeah. you know, might as well no, keep I'm pretty what, sure, what like, I have. YouTube won't even like let you post it if it's yeah. on there type yeah, of situation. You're right. But you're, you're totally right. Anyways, let's get into it, huh? Yeah, let's get into it. All right, everybody, welcome back to Freshwater Perspectives. Uh, I am your one of your co-hosts, Riley Bewley, and the other co-host is Matt Gladfelter. I will be going today, and I will be talking about PFAS. So 
uh, right off the bat, Matt, do you what's your knowledge base of PFOS? I will say I'm probably cheating here a little bit because one of my so one of the students on our floor here at Auburn, he's doing a lot of PFAS work. So mm-hmm. I've inadvertently learned a lot about PFAS in the past year. Yep. Um, so like you said, forever chemicals, they, it's like perfluoral alkyl sulfide something, I think. Um, something like that. I'm sure you'll say it later. But yeah, forever chemicals, they've been found in everything from like firefighting foam to like pizza boxes or something like that. Yep. Um, We're going to stop think... you there. <laughs> Before you. <laughs> Before I do your entire Take my thunder. Um, so it is safe to say, everyone, that Matt knows about <laughs> But hopefully, I will um, educate you more about it. And. Um, First off, too, sorry if I sound echoey. I'm in a basement right now, and it hasn't been converted into a quote-unquote reasonable podcast area. So um, it's a you know center block basement. So, um, but I'll fix that. Anyways, so yes, let's get into it. So, um, Matt, can you hear me? First off, I can hear you great. Okay, Riley. sorry, I first thought it like cut out there for a second. Um, okay, PFAS. So, perfluoroalkyl poly fluoroalkyl substances commonly known as PFAS Um, it's a suite of synthetic chemicals okay that are Mm -hmm. used to make consumer items such as nonstick cookware food packaging clothing furniture many many more you know industrial oil there's a lot of different things okay Mm -hmm. and so they were used and we're going to get into it Um, the issue though with PFAS and what we'll be talking about today is that um, these chemicals, this whole suite of them, are are they they're, they're prevalent in society, or at least they were at some point, um, and they're found not to break down in the environment, thereby giving them the name of forever chemicals. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's an issue, and what's even more of an issue is that they have linked to certain um, human health issues as well as certain cancers. Okay. Yep. So the Environmental Working Group estimated that over 200 million Americans. So majority of Americans um, have been exposed to PFAS through drinking water sources specifically. So it's a very big water issue. Um, Further research suggests that PFAS are found in aquatic organisms like fish and bioaccumulate up to humans once they're eaten, much like mercury, for example. Um, Mm. So what we'll be talking about today, PFAS, we'll talk about that, that human health issues, the freshwater sources, issues to aquatic organisms, um, and this exposure that brings it back to humans. So that's what we're talking about, okay? Okay. Can I the ask intro. you one question? Yes. Are you going to be talking about like how it got, like the history of PFAS? Yes. Oh, fantastic. Okay. You ready for this? I'm excited. Yes, 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 yes. All right. Section one, where does PFAS come from? This will, this will answer it right here. Um, so PFAS, okay, umbrella term for many synthetic compounds, an estimated 5,000 to 10,000 PFAS compounds have been used in manufacturing at some point in time, okay? Um, According to the Interstate Technology and Regulatory Council, the use of PFAS, um, specifically for nonstick coating, began in the 1930s. Um, And since the 1930s, and things really ramped up for manufacturing and production in the 1940s. Um, And these compounds have spread to cosmetics, flame retardants, foam packaging, household goods, medical devices, pesticides, 
oil and petroleum products, mining operation, textile, leatherworks, and other casual apparel. So everywhere. They're, they're just prevalent um, in, in everywhere. And the reason for that is that there are these, well, first off, the, the non-stickiness or like the water resistance of it um, and just like them being a solid molecule to use is like one of the reasons why they got put into these these things okay mm -hmm. um so 1940s right they've been used things are ramping up and it wasn't really until the 1990s that concern over the human health and the environmental impacts of PFAS started okay mm -hmm. so really like a, a span of 50 years um where these chemicals were put into place they were used um you know, much like many, many things that they, they thought it was, you know, there, it was good to use. Right. But, um, yeah. there were these concerns that were brought up, um, you know, environmental impacts because of, you know, these things being broken down, they're not going away. Um, and they're being found in humans as well. And today over 400 scientific publications a year, um, are published on, the topic of PFAS and this concern that keeps on growing about what should we do with them, where they are, and you know that whole issue, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, luckily, okay, the call for some nations have become, excuse me, that there's there's been calls from some nations to begin removing PFAS from manufacturing, um, including the reduction and phase out of PFOS. PFOS is just another. Um, division of PFAS chemicals um, in priority sectors in China. So China, mm -hmm. um, very big in manufacturing. They they have addressed this and started to reduce it. Uh, the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency as well has reported that eight major manufacturing companies have reduced their PFAS usage by 95% as of 2010. We're talking about huge companies. Wow. Um, oh, hopefully I'm going to get these names right. Archimia, Ashai, um, the BASF Corporation, Clarent, 3M, DuPont, um, mm -hmm. Solis, Solexis type of, so names that might not be specific to everyday usage in, in the United States, but these are, these, these manufacturing corporations do a lot of stuff, right? So 95% mm -hmm. reduction, that's great in 2010. Um, so, so the, the usage of PFAS has declined, um, that process has begun to slow, but that doesn't necessarily mean that these forever chemicals are out of our lives right mm -hmm. so that's the issue any any questions before i go on comments not, not necessarily quite yeah i do have a comment and mm -hmm. if i'm not mistaken again i might be cheating just because i've learned a lot about pfas kind of indirectly from this one student but i think it was i might get it mixed up but i think it was dupont that invented pfas mm, and okay so they invented it patented it and there may have been some scandal behind the fact that they did some testing and they knew it was potentially harmful. So they oh, didn't really? manufacture it. They sold it to 3M and then 3M became the major manufacturer. So that was like a whole scandal. And if I'm not mistaken, sorry, I'm going to Google something here for a second. Okay. So yeah. So there's a movie on Netflix called Dark Waters that kind of talks about a lot of this and there's like a whole i think it follows an attorney as he's as he's talking about um uncovering a lot of this uh pfas stuff where he's he's going around and talking to like victims and stuff that worked in uh like the 3m uh uh, uh factories and stuff whoa i did not know about this so great yeah. um 
common. I know 3M. So I grew into school on like uh, the Mississippi River. I've mentioned that multiple mm-hmm. times. But um, so some of the r- release sites, I think, for 3M were on the Mississippi River. Please, oh. um, I'm, I hope I'm getting this information right. But I know that there was some concerns about it, like going downriver, right? And mm-hmm. like how yeah. to mitigate those sites. But um, okay. So next section from my end is PFAS and the, the, the health risk, excuse me, health risks in humans. So um, just so we're all aware, um, the effects of PFAS are definitely still being assessed in humans. Um, you know, these are, these could have long lasting type of issues. So um, that's definitely being addressed, you know, as we speak, right? Mm-hmm. And governments readily admit that they really don't really know the full extent of PFAS toxicity on humans, but at this time, the EPA reports that um, human health effects, there's some major ones that they found so far. Um, for PFOS, it's um, decreased fertility in women, high blood pressure of pregnant women, um, developmental delays in children, both in behavior and physical form, increased risk of cancers such as prostate, kidney, and testicular cancer, um, reduction in the immune system, um, adverse hormone production, increased cholesterol and obesity so um, also um, definitely when we talk about this stuff just right off the top um, please consult with guidance of your local government as well as your um, healthcare provider if you think you've been exposed to PFAS Um, it's kind of like one of the I don't want it to sound like this WebMD thing where you're like oh gosh like you don't want to (laughs) be scared about it but like also like just know that like there's a lot of information on the internet I found and really consulting like CDC, um, EPA, um, what's the other big, you know, Institute of Health type of situation. Those, yeah, NIH. Um, NIH, like um, those are your, you know, major sources of information so you don't get disinformation, okay? So that's a little bit on human health. We could go, I mean, 400 plus articles, right, a year being published. Oh, yeah. and there's just so much um, information so I'm going to stop there with human health, um, but we're going to switch to, you know, aquatic environments. So why are we here today? We're water people. Um, definitely PFAS and forever chemicals, that whole suite of them has made their way into aquatic ecosystems um, in a number of different ways. But one of the main sources of PFAS to enter into a system is through wastewater discharge. Okay. Oh, think about it. Manufacturing discharge. Um, you have areas where you have a lot of individuals, so like sewer, wastewater type of discharge into streams. Um, they're, they're, these, these facilities may be permitted, but again, at some point in time, we didn't really know the effects of PFAS, so um, they, they got into freshwater systems for sure. Another route that PFAS can get into, you know, area, lake, streams, as well as specifically groundwater is PFAS leaching from local landfills. Okay. Oh. So if you say you threw your waterproof jacket away, um, the jacket, that, that material, say like cotton fibers, they're gone, but that PFAS chemical is remaining. And if you have a landfill, say you get some kind of conduit to bring that water into groundwater, say a heavy rain event, um, that leaching into groundwater it has been noted as, you know, this is something that that's got to be looked into this freshwater transfer of PFAS. Okay. Yeah, no, hundred yeah. percent. And another route. So we have, okay, we have wastewater just directly into a stream. 
We have leaching of groundwater from landfills. And we also, a big root that's been found is um, wastewater sludge, okay? Mm. Um, that has been spread on agricultural landscapes. So for those of you who don't know, yes, people's Ooh. treated feces, aka sludge in the, the industry, um, that can be permitted for use in farmland as fertilizer to grow crops okay mm -hmm. if this fertile fertilizer sludge has pfos in it spread on the land um, animals for example eat off the land right um, plants are grown um, that could you know uptake this pfos um, there are these forever chemicals mm -hmm. that's another way that this contamination is spreading and um, it has even been found that some midwestern farmers um, have found pfos in their dairy cows milk so the oh, milk shoot. of dairy cows have pfos um likely associated with that sludge spreading isn't that crazy i did not know that it makes a ton of sense that it would be especially concentrated in that sludge i did not think about that and same with yeah. the with the landfills i mean like i said it makes total sense with landfills um i do know some landfills they have that kind of impervious cap on the bottom but you know mm -hmm. impervious to a certain extent or some infrastructure could be outdated but wow definitely that is, yeah that's yeah, concerning so concerning um so let's let's focus a little more on water then so once it's in the water um well i guess pfos can be combined in the water you know like we talked about uptaking through soil plants um but then you know bugs and fish um can uptake it too and that this pfos these chemicals they're stable chemicals okay right um mm -hmm. They are prone to what's known as bioaccumulation. So um, I will have in my article, this article that we talk about, what, what I'm talking about on the podcast, we'll have an associated article on fishwaterandtravel.com. And there'll be, you know, figures of like an example of what bioaccumulation is. But, you know, this could be a metal or in this case, a chemical that is stable, right? And it, it's taken from one organism, that organism gets eaten by another organism, and that chemical remains, you know, everything else breaks down into proteins, carbohydrates, but these PFAS chemicals can be, you know, remain in the, the body of the next organism who might be eaten by somebody else, somebody else, um, potentially, you know, human maybe is going to eat a larger fish that might have this accumulated, bioaccumulated um, compound within it. So this is unfortunately like a, a pathway that, again, PFAS can can take to, to breach humans. And... Um, a major pathway of this is PFOS in sediments, okay? Mm -hmm. So um, we'll talk about a couple examples of this, but yeah, um, aquatic bugs, for example, that live on the sediments will live off of prey items, you know, detritus, right? They're, they're in that, that sediment area and they get bioaccumulated specifically with PFOS. Um, in some situations, they can be a form of kind of the lower bottom of that food chain um think of a oh the, the sunfish for example they're omnivorous mm -hmm. um they'll they'll eat those bugs those bugs get uptaken that sunfish will be eaten by bass that bass will be you know if it's a small bass will be eaten by something else right mm -hmm. and then or humans are gonna eat that bass and that's how the accumulation works but um in this way these sediment bound pfos it's it's coming from the sediments and, and working its way up up the food chain in the lake so um that's pretty crazy and even what's also interesting is that researchers found that 
so some aquatic bugs like dragonflies they live in the water okay mm-hmm. but as an adult they they hatch out of the water and have a portion of their life in um in the air on mm-hmm. land so mm-hmm. if these dragonflies that have this accumulation of pfoses in them um they can actually from the lake or stream they they spread out pfos along the landscape because if they get eaten by a bird for example then that pfos travels that accumulation travels and is then spread out from a con- oh, contaminated areas isn't yeah. that crazy so yeah. definitely a major wow mode of of pfos spreading throughout the land is yeah um bugs like dragonflies right wow so it's crazy yeah yeah yeah, it's it's crazy to see how, like that little trickle effect, right? You're just like, oh, like yeah. this one molecule of PFAS can mm-hmm. start one place and end up. I mean, if it's a migratory bird that eats that thing, yeah, it can end up yeah. hundreds of miles away. That's insane. So let's get a little more specific. So PFAS studies involving freshwater fish. Um, one example I found, French researchers from um, their report in the Journal of Science, the Journal of Science of the Total Environment. It's kind of a funny journal name but mm-hmm. that's what it is so what this researchers found was like um they looked at pfos accumulation of fish diets and what they found was um this pfos this mode of transportation was related to fish diet right so like mm-hmm. depending on what they're eating so it's not just like hey pfos is in the environment so it's also gonna be in this fish it, it really was related to what they're specifically eating mm-hmm. eating so that kind of makes sense if we're talking yeah. about you know bugs moving through but um what they also found that was super interesting was PFOS molecule size, okay, was mm-hmm. a really big factor of if it was going to be accumulated, bioaccumulated up. So oh. larger PFOS molecules will attach more readily to the sediments, uptaken by those aquatic bugs, and transferred to predator fish when eaten. So mm-hmm. again, PFOS is these like 10,000 molecules plus. Mm-hmm. Larger ones specifically are a concern in some situations because they are more easily uptaken and transported through that bioaccumulation type of transport. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, Hmm. Yeah. I can see how this, yeah, that's not great. So next, um, what other researchers found was that, you know, it really comes as no surprise that fish eaten or taken from industrial areas have considerably more PFAS in them in comparison to fish from unpolluted areas. And this is something to note if you're a person who eats fish, is that because there's certain areas, um, for example, Clean Water Act, there's certain areas like like stream lengths, you know, they're not all streams um, are treated equal. It sounds weird to say, but like some areas there's allowed, you know, maybe more excess pollutants than Mm -hmm. other areas. And if you're taking fish from those, you know, polluted areas quote-unquote polluted there, there's always regulations but some have just different you know ideas or different regulations than others and states have begun to set consumption limits for areas where there's pfos related chemicals found so wow. um, for example the state of wisconsin has lists of you know um well in this situation what i have written down is that lakes should you know in lakes just overall um people men specifically in this situation should be eat like once per week one meal of fish per week don't go any over that okay wow um there's also different because again um what i said before like pregnant women 
there's there's more risks um, associated with PFAS mm-hmm. in them. So in some situations, yeah, like uh, like, and I don't have this written down, but I remember reading this like women, you know, in that in that age where they could be become pregnant or are pregnant, like really need to keep um, a check on this that you know what what your consumption limits in these areas so if wow. i remember right some some even said like don't don't eat it if you're in you know if you're pregnant for example um wow so it's not fun but, that is um, that's yeah. concerning but also a little encouraging that there is actual monitoring going on now because i remember not too long ago that there wasn't any sort of regulations guidelines anything on pfas Mm-hmm. yep 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 and um two so we talked about like there's this uptake from the sediments for fish for example um but it really should be noted that organisms can be not just bioaccumulation but outright harmed by the amount of pfos in an area so if, if really high concentrations of pfos there's been studies that have in, indicated that delays in larval fish development egg hatching rates um, aquatic bug you know hatching rates um, those are all been affected negatively affected so um there's you know it has to be quite high levels i have written down but it's still Mm -hmm. something worth noting that just outrightly you know that chemical itself um can be an issue which makes sense right because i mean if if you think about bioaccumulation concentrations are accumulating that's going to have an effect but like just even in the environment can have that effect as well so um, yeah, absolutely. So that's aquatic environment a little bit. Let's let's focus a little bit more on drinking water and those human sources. So more and more states definitely are coming to grips with you know the fact that their drinking water sources might be impaired for PFAS contamination. Um, one study I looked at, a report was from the Iowa DNR, um, looking at West Des Moines, which is like a which is a suburb of Des Moines. Um, mm-hmm. They found that yep. Forever chemicals are in their drinking water. And additionally, the study looked and found that 32% of all the, the state's streams sampled in Iowa had some amount of PFAS in it. So 32% uh-huh. of the streams. Crazy. Um, yeah. Not yeah, necessarily yeah. a harmful amount, but still detectable, which is still, still concerning. Detectable. Mm-hmm. And like, if you think that they're never going to go away, ooh, yep. like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the US EPA looked at, you know, um, drinking water facilities between 2013 and 2015 in a report by Crone et al. in Critical Reviews of the Environmental Science and Technology. Um, they looked at 2,900 U.S. drinking water utilities. Um, they found that some had it, some didn't, but of the ones that had it, okay, there was in this massive data set, um, of the ones that had it, their sources were groundwater sources. 72% of the the ones that had it were coming pulling from groundwater. So really, so drinking water, you know, you can get it from the ground. You can get it from kind of reservoirs as well. So like where I am in the like um, a lot of times we we have a lot of groundwater in the Midwest. So we're, we're pulling a lot from the ground. Whereas some in the the southern states there was a lot of reservoirs. So we worked, mm-hmm. for example, with with reservoirs that would take from that, you know, surface water intakes versus groundwater intake. So groundwater really has, um, can be prone to PFAS, um, which is sad. Um, but, 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 so if you're on, for example, so this is, you know, facilities pulling 
I'm finding this in groundwater, but this is really raising a flag of if you're on well water, so rural residents, for example, you know, a lot of times they have wells, right? Um, and you're pulling from it. And this is something you should look out for. Um, and kind of the question is, too, taking a step back is why? Why groundwater, not surface water, right? Mm -hmm. So that's, yeah. that's interesting. Um, what is likely attributed to this is that like these these molecules again are heavy we talked about like in fish ecology that it's dropping to the sediments and it's you know from there being spread out in the aquatic ecosystem as well as the landscape but when it comes to drinking water that's kind of a benefit that it's dropping to the sediments because intake sources aren't pulling from the sediments right oh, they're pulling true. from maybe your your mid mid-level midway down in the water column so you're up in some situations avoiding you know this this pfos issue okay mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that's fun keeping on with drinking water um it comes as no surprise that people living near industrial plants or where that water is coming from um, are, are at greater risk of their drinking water being contaminated okay yeah um, one study in the mid ohio river valley by bartel et al 2010 um, they looked at, yeah, this kind of relationship between industrial plants, PFAS, and drinking water, um, finding that in this area that had a lot of industrial activity, they found PFAS was present in the blood. So specific, we're not even talking about drinking water, in the blood of water resident people within the district, like their drinking water district by these polluted wow. areas. It's in the blood. Yeah. Wow. What was also interesting, though, was that municipalities, when they began a new filtration process to rid the water of PFAS, concentrations of people's, the, I guess, blood PFAS levels did begin to decrease slightly, okay. but it did begin. So okay. isn't that fun? Yeah, um, so, I mean, at least it does seem to be a way to, it can kind of purge its way out of mm -hmm. your system, at least out of your blood. Who knows and where I it have, goes. For, actually, I'll say it right now. Um, so some good news. This is not the good news, but this is relevant to what we're talking about. PFAS can leave your body, okay? Oh, okay. Um, but Very it happens good. slowly. So um, an example, for instance, if you have 100 micrograms, UG or mu G per liter um, of PFAS in you, which is quite a bit, um, mm -hmm. that would take 15 years for it to be removed from your system. So oh, it, it doesn't leave quickly. And no, this is assuming not. that no additional exposure is happening during this time. But it, it does Yikes. remove, but it takes a while. Um, so glass half full situation. Let me get back to where I was. Drinking water. Okay. Um, so, yeah, drinking water. If you're on groundwater, look out for that for sure. Um, unfortunately, too, another mode of transport was, you know, not just drinking it uh, how you get exposed to it but you know how you're using your water so um trier et al in the journal chemosphere um, science journals have fun names sometimes but um they found that a mode of transport to get to humans was people who would water their gardens with pfos laden um water like tap water outdoor you know like a, a garden hose mm -hmm. um you know they they're watering their garden like that water gets uptaken in the, the, the vegetables that people eat, and that is a transport of PFAS into your body as well. So just so many <laughs> modes to get in you. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> um, and this is the why PFAS is so concerning. It's it, 
they don't it doesn't break down you know for a very long time if ever um and yeah drinking water food manure spreading like yeah yikes 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 um mm. so let's let's get some good news okay so how can how can pfos be be stopped and luckily research have been looking into this okay this this when there's an issue like this an environmental issue like pfos or you know think about ddt like the the issue is raised and then comes the ways to mitigate it. So that's where we're kind of at right now. Think about the '90s. This issue was raised. People are stopping using it now. Now, how do we, you know, prevent it from further contaminating humans? Mm -hmm. um, and one was this PFAS removal in drinking systems. People have been been researching this, and Crone et al. Environmental Reviews in Science and Techno. Oh gosh. So research from Crone et al. in critical reviews of environmental science and technology um, found that unfortunately common approaches to drinking water treatment, there's a lot of them for those who don't know, you know, um, you can chlorinate your water, you can UV light it, you can ozone it, you can oxidize it by using um, potassium permanganate, for example. Those are ineffective for PFOS. They don't do well at getting it. Um, literature found about um generally you know zero to five percent of the pfos hmm, either the studies that they found or like zero to five percent of it is removed um hmm. from from your drinking water however there's other technologies other than that which is great mm -hmm. um one of them that crone et al looked at was activated carbon and this is really taking the lead so mm -hmm. greater than 90 percent removal of pfos by activated carbon okay for those who don't know activated carbon it's a, it's a filter um i think in my mind like a brita filter i'm pretty sure it has carbon within it i believe so um, as well yes because like sometimes you get those little like black flakes mm -hmm. right in it that's that's a carbon filter um i'm not saying let me take a step back here i'm not saying that pfos can be removed by a brita filter or it could be i just don't know so let me let me say that i'm always consult with a professional when it comes to this or, or your government and I'll talk about that in a second, but um, so activated carbon, why does it work? It, it's activated carbon, it's, it's a lot like charcoal, okay? It looks like that for sure. Um, and what it does is that, that carbon binds, you know, water tra travels through this filter and the carbon combined with contaminants like PFOS, okay? It traps it and it keeps within this this carbon quote unquote filter, this, this, this area that water's transporting through. Um, the water on the other side, as you might think of a filter, it, it's clean, right? It's cleaner, mm -hmm. at least. So activated carbon specifically, um, and I think with activated carbon, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure there's some kind of um, charge or there's, you know, when you think of like a carbon filter versus an activated carbon filter, there's like, there's um, even more binding capabilities that activated carbon filters can do. Yes. Uh, be it by by charge or just its chemical makeup, um, it it binds with things more efficiently. So great to know. Um, however, sad to say, however, um, another issue is like what what do you do with activated carbon filters once they're quote unquote spent? Mm -hmm. Like so they have then there, there's this carbon laced PFAS that needs to be deposited in environmentally friendly ways. Otherwise, um, that that's going to be an issue in of itself. So. Mm -hmm. um, the thing I bring it up though is it it does increase water treatment costs. So 
just something to think about. I'm not saying mm-hmm. don't do it, but it's it just that this consideration is that this activated carbon is a more um, intensive way to clean water. Um, however, if you're in a, you know an industrial area, yeah, you you might have to pay more for your water treatment to get that safety. Um, mm-hmm. So, yep, yep, yep. Yeah, um, it's really it's, interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that actually. So that that lab here on campus, they're doing that. That's doing a lot of work with the PFAS. They're actually looking at the different sources of carbon. So you can get carbon from all kinds of things. And the way that they're they're making their activated carbon, or they're calling it biochar, is you just burn certain substances, organic substances, at really, really high temperatures, like mm-hmm. anywhere from 400 to 600 degrees Celsius. And they've been trying, like, bamboo. They've been trying certain types of wood from particular trees. They've tried, I think, spent corn cob from certain industries. And these different substances have different binding affinities. And one other thing they're looking at is how, like you said, what to do with that spent carbon or that spent um, cartridge kind of when you're done. And if I'm not mistaken, there is a way to get that PFAS off of that carbon, which Hmm. they're also looking at. Cool. I don't know if they've quite figured that out or if there's a lot of literature on that. But Hmm. then I guess the question is, well, what do you do with that with that PFAS now that you have that off of the carbon? The plus side is you can then recycle that that activated carbon but yeah then you're just left with it's kind of like the nuclear waste problem well what do you do with with this now right yeah buried underground i guess but yep yeah definitely that's interesting um yeah so drinking water we talked about drinking water but let's let's close the loop here with people on well water too so activated Mm -hmm. carbon um what we talked about is yeah more so for like drinking water facilities but that's not to say that can't happen for people on well water um Luckily, again, research on this has, has been ramping up. And in one study by Mulhern et al., 2021, in the American Waterworks Journal, kind of like the, the journal for water mm-hmm. treatment type of things, um, in a study by looking at North Carolina private well owners, um, they found with the use of under-sink, under-the-sink activated carbon water filters, so like those cartridges, mm-hmm. um, you can put that on well water, and that removes... 97 to 99 percent of PFAS in that drinking water oh wow Um, so at home filters are or are being developed I'm pretty sure they they are but here's Mm -hmm. the deal so through wheat reading um there is a very specific so just your your generic carbon filter please don't use you have to read the regulations if you're if you're worried about PFAS and what I found was that PFAS, specifically PFAS removing cartridges, needs to be approved by the National Sanitation Foundation, NSF, um, with P473 regulations. Oh. I have a link to this um, in this study or in this article um, on fish, water, and travel again. So um, just be aware that it's it's a very specific type of cartridges or filters that you use. Okay, hmm. Consult your government, local governments, um, local water filter providers um for more information definitely that is the guidebook to pfos all right nice there's a lot we i mean it was like literally so much information on pfos oh yeah um, well i mean it's you're at that point now where it's like a new issue mm-hmm. and everyone's trying to learn as much as they can about it like right now so yep. yeah there's there's a lot out there it's tough to digest but nicely yeah. done to to 
kind of get that together for everybody. Well, thanks, man. Yeah. Uh, any any closing thoughts, sir? I don't think so. Like I said, definitely check out that Netflix movie, Dark Waters, though. Yeah, I'm going to have to. Yeah. Dark Waters. Yeah. They, yeah. I think they categorize it as like a thriller kind of thing. Cause, you know, it's like one guy trying to take down like this whole corporation kind of thing. Okay. So, hmm. Yeah, definitely interesting. Right. So, yeah. Um, have, a, have a great rest of your week, buddy. <laughs> I will see you next time. All right, man. See ya. See ya.